1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a
0: member FDSE.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of Zero Ducks Given. And it's Groundhog Day here at Zero Ducks Given. Because if you've been listening the last few weeks... Myself, Toby Tarrant, and our esteemed colleague, Mr. Stephen Finn, professionals that we are. We've turned up for the podcast on time at home in England. And Daniel Norcross, who is currently out in South Africa working on Test Match Special, well, the BBC, for the Women's World T20. And he is enjoying himself on and off air in South Africa. And we'll come to his on-air antics a bit later on. But he was late last week. I think he was probably late the week before. He's also been very, very, very intoxicated, inebriated and enjoying himself on the South African wine. And this week is no difference. He messaged us pushing back the start time by 20 minutes. And we said, yep, no problem. We've now pushed it back by 30 minutes. Still no sign of Daniel Norcross. And I know what's going to happen. He's going to appear at some point, probably in the next half an hour, completely levered in the same hotel room that's got a chair on wheels and he will wheel back and forth from his wine fridge to his laptop and occasionally go on a seven or eight minute long drunken monologue that in his mind only is genius. Whilst Finny and I sit here and clock watch until the podcast is over. Does that sound about right, Finny?
1: Sounds about right. And this is a late record. So when he's waffling on, there's every chance that I'll just disengage and fall asleep potentially. So, Yeah, you might have to pick up the baton when he does that. But I think he's just text saying nearly there. So what that means and where he is nearly, I'm not sure. But we'll find out in a second, I'm sure.
2: Yep, I'm sure we will. Um, We will come to Daniel Norcross and his on-air antics when he joins us in a few moments' time. We've also got to talk about the stunning England victory in New Zealand and the stunning India victory over Australia, as well as everything that's happening in the Women's World T20. Uh, But Finney, I want to talk to you about uh, a tweet that you received this week somebody was spotted cycling I presume it looks like it's through London but you were tweeted by uh, a Michael on Twitter he spotted a man cycling on his morning commute to work it looks like wearing a thin nine middlesex is that a playing jumper that
1: he's wearing there it looks as though it's a long-sleeved one-day jumper yes from around 2018 i'd say
2: and it says and he tweeted you saying finney enjoying pre-season so that's you reckon that's a match worn bit of kit he's he's either stolen that from you or he's bid for it in an auction heaven forbid
1: yeah or actually a lot of my old kit to raise funds for my local cricket club that I grew up at, We, my parents, actually, I don't do it, my parents, because they still live close to the club and go there a lot, will take a bag of kit down to the club of all of my training kit from the season before and some playing kit, and they'll make people pay £2 for a training top or £2.50 for a jumper or something. And all of that money goes to the club to help the club make improvements or paint things or whatever, and it's raised a decent amount of money over the last few years for the club so my guess would be that it could potentially be someone who is linked to the cricket club um who has ended up wearing that jumper around and it's actually funny when you go to Langabury Cricket Club now you just see heaps of people wearing like middlesex training tops with nine on them or or an england training top with my england number on it or my initials or something yeah it is quite funny when you go down there and see that now and now it's eking out into what looks like north london and people cycling to work
2: oh it's nice to see well please tweet us at zero ducks pod or send us a picture on instagram at zero ducks pod if you see anyone about town in one of fin nine shirts and uh, particularly
1: the watford area around um around a place called Langleybury and um, Abbott's Langley, King's Langley is probably particularly prominent around there, I would say.
2: Now, I remember when, uh, when I broke into the, the school first 11, Finney, you, you probably won't be impressed by that, but at the time it
1: was. A How big old year. were you 24 and you'd been held back in school <laughs> six years or something? Do you know what? I wouldn't have <laughs> cared. I wouldn't have cared. I would have
2: been, I would have just said first 11 <laughs> cricketer, but I remember the moment I broke into the first team at school and every season, we got our new stash, right? We used to call it stash and it was training kit, playing kit. And we were genuinely like kids waking up on Christmas Day looking at our new kit. So you've obviously got no say. So every season you start Middlesex, England, Sussex now, and you get your new kit. Is is there any excitement for you now as a season pro opening that kit and having a look at what your stash looks like for that year?
1: It it just means I've got to get rid of last year's kit. It's it's a very big pain in the backside. And when you live in a small two-bed flat, you're not afforded that much space when it comes to filling up cupboards and wardrobes with cricket kits. So, yeah, it's just a frustration that you then have to go and find a home for the old kit that you used last year and, yeah, get to using the new kit. And Sussex's kit is like camouflage and I'm just, I'm almost 34. I'm, I'm not really suited to wearing camouflage clothing, I wouldn't say. <laughs> well, I mean, because obviously now they changed the England odi and t20 kit it
2: feels like every other series now um they change the test kit pretty regularly obviously when you play for middlesex you'll get your sort of blast kit and stuff like that surely the lads when they open up all their their kit for the season you must have times you've opened up a kit and gone what are we wearing
1: this year yeah. like the, the camouflage that <laughs> yeah there must <laughs> what be what have some... they done to it there's <laughs> yeah. been a few shockers there. What's the worst kit you've ever had to play in oh there's this one where we look like a harlequin uh, yeah, there, yeah. There's this one. Then they were like bright sheer pink, like not a soft pink, but like a bright magenta style pink. And it was just too tight and ill-fitting. That wasn't that wasn't a good look at all. Um, yeah, there, there's been some dodgy ones over the years. P- probably the quarters where they had four different colours on the quarters was a mishmash that just wasn't wasn't meant to be out on a cricket pitch. Is there a
2: favourite kit you've ever pulled on?
1: There are a few ODI kits back in the day that that I really liked, and still, my first ever Middlesex fifty-over kit had like a a red panel under the sleeves, dark navy blue with white piping, with a red panel under the sleeves <laughs> that that I thought was particularly cool.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, you can hear from the laughter in the background that Norcross has joined us, but uh, I have got a theory, and I've I've discussed this before for years. I've got a theory that nobody in the world of cricket. Has bought an Engl- England ODI shirt since 2004. If you go to any cricket ground in the world, it's only men in a Vodafone ODI England shirt from circa you know 2004. Where that is. Why is that? You know where that is. Well, because well, the Ashes was a year stopped, later.
3: It stopped being on national TV today. Oh, that's off, so isn't
2: sad, it? isn't it? That's yeah, true. I know.
3: I know. And, it's really tragic. I mean, and, all, you know, like Finney's whole career and all, and all these guys, you know. They, they, you know, they think they're something. They're nothing. No one knows who they are. They're like, they're basically like uh, drifting off into the the realms of of nothingness because no one can see them or us or all of cricket. It's absolutely tragic.
2: But well, yeah, no, Finney, no, that's not that's not the right comparison because Norcross, you work on the radio. They couldn't see you before two thousand and four, even.
3: I know. Yeah, and 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 it, and it's it, you know, it's definitely true that obviously way more people hear me than anyone. Sees any cricketers we get like two million people to see to cricket but there's like half a million people watching it but uh, but the tragedy that it's and it is a tragedy it's a genuine tragedy that all of those fantastic things that people have tried to make for 18 years have gone in front of next to no one and when ian Botham played in a kit that was frankly rubbish in 1992 in that World Cup. It was a horrible kit, really. It was sort of powder blue and a series of bad lines. It and was, it, was, it was happening in the England football team they sort of made the same kind of kit, really, for cricket and, and football. But they were both on TV and everyone knew about it. And people still wear that. You see it everywhere. Oh, wasn't the 1992 England World Cup kit brilliant? No, it wasn't. It was just... I see you all watched it then. And everyone saw it, but now no one sees it.
1: We said there'd be 10-minute monologues when he came on. <laughs> it's, it's happened. We... Um, I, I've actually got a confession to make. I never actually, as a fan, owned a England cricket top. I think I had a training top, but never a playing top. But the only playing top that I did own when I was a child was an Australia one for oh. the 1999 World Cup. Oh, I, ninety nine. Oh, ninety nine.
2: Let, let me guess. McGrath eleven on the back.
1: Australia. Oh no, no McGrath on the back. We couldn't afford the the printing oh. on the back, so it was just plain. Oh. But I pretended that God. it was um that it was Glenn McGrath. Yeah, it's
2: yeah. the... Every time I think you've hit rock bottom, you find new ways of disappointing
1: me, Finny. It's a great cricket kit.
3: God. He was brought up in a shoebox in the middle of the road. <laughs> That's that, that what it was with, with Finney. <laughs> Unbelievable
2: Finney. He, he was
3: forced to wear Len McGrath's kit in the middle of the road. And he used to collect collect the rainwater and, and suck it into his mouth. Only way to drink. It was, only,
2: it was only moisture he ever got in his life. Now, do you know No, no, no cross. I want to uh, step in here because I think you've offended enough people for one week because do you know what's fascinating there? Despite the fact that Finney is... Here on the podcast, talking in front of us right now, and very clearly from the Watford area, when you did an impression of him being poor, you immediately made him Northern.
3: Well, he'll he'll have a a Yorkshire grandparent somewhere in in his lineage.
2: No way. No way. What's wrong with Yorkshire? Don't try to backtrack now, Nor, because you're the one that decided all people... That are poor have got generic northern accents and (laughs) had to drink their water from a Monty (laughs) Python squeezed-out shirt. So don't you try and throw Finney under the bus. We now Norcross. I'm glad you. I'm glad you've. Do you know what? I'm glad you offended people because that feeds in very nicely to what we need to discuss. So Daniel Norcross, I'm going to play you a little bit of audio. Okay, Um, this is from your commentating on the Women's T20 World Cup on the (laughs) taxpayers' BBC. Okay. Um, oh, no, New, Ze- New Zealand are you, are you versus getting like Sri Lanka. That, are you you get like that, are you? Oh, because I'm on commercial radio. Anything that we
3: have to pay for,
2: therefore, is. Well, I just really look. I, I'm going to I'm going to no. play you an audio clip, and I want you to tell me whether this is appropriate for the taxpayers that listen to the BBC. Imagine, by the way, it's New Zealand versus Sri Lanka. You've tuned in to a New Zealand versus Sri Lanka Women's T20 World Cup.
3: We've got a lot to play with. It's a mesmerizing ground. There's so much to see. I can imagine if you were a Lands- if it- you're doing landscape artist of the year it's a programme my wife thoroughly enjoys this is where you'd take them Joan Bakewell would adore this Kumari is in and this is swept to short fine leg and there's no run I mean Joan Bakewell's a woman who like Likes a lot of things. I'm Great. not
0: familiar with... Joan Bakewell? Well, I don't think I've ever watched that programme. I don't really think it's my she's, kind of she's, thing. She's,
3: she's more than just portrait artist of the okay, year, okay, Joan okay. Bakewell. Okay. Yeah, she was quite the thing in the 60s.
0: Well, I wasn't around. Well,
3: You weren't around in the 40s, but you've heard of Hitler. <laughs>
0: <laughs> moving, not, that I, not, that I'm,
3: not that I'm comparing Joan Bakewell to Hitler, you understand. The next board is driven to short extra cover. And there's no rum. We've got a bit of a pickle here, haven't we? It's already early. Well,
0: you have. (laughs) I just said, I didn't know who Joan Bakewell was.
3: Well, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sticking up for Joan.
2: Now, Daniel. Can can I? Yes. Now, I I just... Do you know what I loved about that was two things. You clearly forgot that you weren't on Zero Ducks Given. And secondly... I've not often heard you genuinely do a little bit of a backtrack and feel a little bit terrified of what you've just said. But for a second That's... there, I think you were a bit nervous. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> All of those things are
3: completely true. Yes, yes, yes. All right, I'll, I'll tell you where it came from. Right? Um Can I first up by saying that Fionn Wynn is one of the most genuinely, most brilliantly natural cricket commentators and summarise I've ever heard. She's a fantastic foil to work with, but that's not great when you are a cretin. And and, and I am a cretin. Mm. So I I found myself in a situation where I was goaded by a thing that drives me mad about young people. And you know how you have a go at me for being old the whole time. And you go, oh, well, you know, when I talk about the 1930s and 40s, oh, well, you know, it's a very long time ago. All that shit keeps going on. And it sort of annoys me because I don't quite understand why anybody wouldn't be interested in the past because the past is what gets us to now. And Fion, she basically pressed a button of mine. She suggested that because she wasn't alive at a certain time, she therefore didn't know who somebody was.
2: Can I just very quickly interject? I, like- I don't
3: want to put you off your flow but yeah. just I just want to say yeah. from
2: at the moment it feels a lot yeah. like you're about yeah. to blame your colleague Fionn for you bringing up Hitler yeah. on the New Zealand yeah. versus Sri Lanka commentary. Yes. Continue. And
3: yeah I, and it does feel like that obviously <laughs> and, and 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 that's not fair because um it, it was all on me and what unfortunately happened was that, that I heard this thing happen which I've
2: heard many times before from you know Hi there. Gossip. Sorry to interrupt the podcast. It's Toby Tarrant here, you're probably aware. Um I need to interrupt because Daniel Norcross before recording this podcast had drunk three and a half bottles of South African wine and at this point he went on a 5 minute monologue that made no sense to anyone. So to save you and us time, I've been asked to intervene. Now let's head back to the podcast. No any history now
3: i did take joan bakewell who's a very obscure character for someone who's 26 and compare her to hitler who is a world famous disastrous dictator who slaughtered (laughs) millions of people Mm. and
2: i realized
3: that it's possibly um not the best moment (laughs)
2: You, you, it's just that it's just that you you had there when when I because I take your point. It must be frustrating when you hear people say, "Oh, well, I wasn't around." Bit... Back. I understand that, but what you know? what she what she gave you there was an opportunity to name any figure, any figure from history. Churchill. A, yeah. Churchill's a good place to start. I know. I should have gone to a Churchill. What was wrong with Churchill? Why did I go with Hitler? I don't I know. know. when, straight Hitler. to Hitler. And it's stuff like this that has made us Belgium and Italy's number one cricket podcast. long
3: gone. But I suppose, you know, it was. I'm not proud of it. Um, I wish I'd said Pol Pot. I wish i said the 70s and Pol Pot. That would have been better. Oh, that would have been much better, more yeah. More time to
2: think about it. Yeah, and a more, or, and a more modern uh, dictator for, yeah. for the younger listeners as well. Um, well, yeah. nonetheless. I could have well...
3: said the 50s and Kim Jong-un or yep. it was him then or, no, like. or Eisenhower. One. Yeah, any of them, any of them. Oh, I fucked it up. I fucked it up. I <laughs> fucked it up. We all, we all fuck it up occasionally. Is there anyone here who could genuinely say they haven't fucked it up? But the best well, part of that clip, the best part of that clip, is at the end of it. I say we've got ourselves into a bit of a pickle, and Fiona says, "Well, you have."
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she threw you under the bus, and and quite right, And she so. and she, and she, and she uh, totally nailed me. Ball. I know they hate the phrase, but if they keep playing such bloody good cricket, the phrase is going nowhere. England in New Zealand won by 267 glorious runs. And it was the most Baz performance ever. They declared on day one, 325 for nine, because they probably rightly thought, what's the point in poor Jimmy Anderson coming up to bat? They bowled magnificently at New Zealand. And if it wasn't for another brilliant hundred by Blondel, who's an amazing cricketer, uh, it could have been a much bigger first-innings lead. Then England, at times, it was sort of on a knife edge in the third innings of the game. But every time they needed somebody to stand up, they did. Harry Brook is an absolute genius. Ben Fokes continues to prove to be a wonderful cricketer. And then Stuart Broad had one of those spells that we've seen so many times before and absolutely tore, tore through the heart of New Zealand batting lineup. And they were eventually skittled for 126 and England won by 267 runs. Um, Finney, I mean we've sort of run out of superlatives for this, this new England team, but it's getting a bit silly now because at first it was against South Africa in England and it was going to be this whole new era and they lost the test, but then they won the series. But then everyone said, okay, yeah, good luck doing that against India. And then they did. And every time we keep saying, yeah, but the next series is where they'll be found out. And people are already saying, yeah, but this summer against the Aussies is where they'll be found out, but they can only beat what's in front of them. And, They've won all but one test match under McCullum. I, it's mad how quickly this side that, frankly, we were slagging off. Well, you were always quite diplomatic, but me and Norcross were slagging off about a year ago. How quickly they look like absolute world beaters.
1: Well, first of all, it shows how much you two actually know about cricket to think, okay, that Toby knows about cricket. Um, I can see Norcross pointing at his screen there at something. I mean, now he's stuffing his face with. Knows, something. Knows they look some like magic of... mushrooms, to be fair, I'm not sure. <laughs> Would have bit of bars them.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: no, I think look, the, way, the way that they're playing cricket at the moment is exactly what they say they want to do. It's entertaining. They don't actually care, I don't think. I really don't think they care at the moment whether they win or lose. They just want to play in a certain manner. And that's a really dangerous mindset to be taking into games of cricket against teams who Um, I mean, New Zealand this week were poor. I thought for New Zealand standards and um, the discipline that they usually set themselves, they were poor Um, missing Trent bolt, missing Carl Jameson, Matt Henry, I think were three massive losses for the bowling attack this week, which allowed England to capitalize on their weakness in that department um, that set up that first day for them to declare and have a bowling in that, in that evening session. Um, but yeah, I, I think the way that they're playing cricket at the moment is just so exciting and and fun to watch, and something that I think every cricketer or cricketer who used to play for England wishes that they were here in this era to play in it because it looks like it's uh, it looks like it's so much fun. This has never happened before, Toby. This has genuinely never happened
3: before. We we talk about the great teams that there have been, and there have been great teams, the West Indies teams of the the 1980s, and they operated within the idiom that they lived in. But they changed the narrative. So they took the fact that their incredible strength was lots of very good fast bowlers, and they also developed very good batters at the same time. Um, Australia didn't, they, they changed the tempo of test cricket. They increased it from sort of 2.8 and over to sort of 3.7 and over. They did something that was similar to basketball, but they didn't absolutely mess with your brain. What happened on the first day in the Mount Monganui test was an act of fucking genius, quite frankly. You've lost a toss on a pitch that has been put under covers while there's a epoch-making storm taking place all over New Zealand. So they can't really prepare this pitch. I mean, it's whatever it, it's what it's going to be. And Tim Southern did exactly the right thing, won a and Bowl. I think it was the right thing. And England mm-hmm. looked at that and said, right, we're up against it. Let's fucking smash the shit out of it, out of it now get as many runs as we possibly can, get to 325 in 58 overs and put the other side in when we know that the ball does something something weird. It was really clever captaincy. It was really clever tactics. No one would ever have done that. What what you do when you're put in in that situation is you try to manage the conditions against a pink ball, which you don't really know about. You go if we are 78 for one or 78 for two at lunch we've done well that's not what they did at all and it is genuinely revolutionary this has not ever been done i can't think of a single test side that has done something like england's doing right now now of course it is perilous because it must go wrong at some point point. 10 out of 11 suggests that it's working quite well but ten out of eleven is against ten out of eleven teams that have never seen people do that to you before. So other sides are very good and they will adapt to what it is that you're doing. But bugger me if it isn't incredible. It's a genuine it's it, it's it's a genuine attempt to look at the format of test cricket and interpret it in a different way. And that is something that hasn't Really happened apart from Douglas Jardine. it, you know? it, it is I mean, absolute... Douglas Jardine did that in Bodyline, and and, and 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 Stokes is doing that now.
2: I don't know about Douglas Jardine. He wasn't around. He was, wasn't around. You know, I wasn't born back True. then. So. Yeah. <laughs> but
3: yeah, you, but you, you've heard of? Hang on,
2: uh, Sun Yat Sen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but genuinely, I mean, I think there's a. It was the perfect team to do it with. England were at rock bottom. They couldn't be any worse than they had been. They had Stokes, who seems like the perfect man to lead it, McCullum coming in. Um, it does feel like the perfect time for it. But I mean, it is absolutely mind blowing. The thing we have to be mindful of, and I am probably the worst at this on this podcast, uh, is that when it does go horribly wrong, which it might, and it might go wrong in the next test. You might get go very wrong.
3: angry, don't you? You it, get you get vexed instantly. What You're I don't want to fan. do
2: is suddenly suddenly start slagging off Harry Brook because he got out twice cheaply, flashing outside the off stump. So I need to be ready for the inevitable shit show he's that will happen. Have you
3: have you have you seen have you seen these bloody numbers? I mean, he's, we he's are. a joke. This is this is, unbelievable. is insane, and he's done it. Right, okay, he's not. I tell you where he's not done it. He's not done it in England. Until <laughs> you do it on your home pitches, <laughs> we're not gonna trust it.
2: He's done it
3: every he's
2: done it everywhere else A, a bit like Ben he's Duckett a, as well. But Finney, I mean first of all, Finney, very quickly, I mean Harry Brooks better than Bradman ever was, isn't
1: he? Yeah, absolutely. I think you look at the way that he hits the ball, how clean it is, how strong he looks in his stance, he doesn't fall over like Bradman did and look susceptible to LBW mm-hmm. Um he doesn't look like he's scared of the short ball. Yeah, he, he looks like a far better player than Bradman at the moment and hopefully he goes on to to break the numbers that he did too
2: Finny I've got a question for you and this is going to be tricky for you because we all agree on this podcast that Bradman is crap and overrated and all cricket back then was rubbish how would Bradman fare against evil Evil. and evil (laughs) by the way for people listening at home you didn't see that Norcross who sits on a wheelie chair at the minute in his hotel in South Africa Wheeled out of shot, I heard some clinking of bottles and glasses, and then he slid back into shot just to say he's evil and then disappeared again. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I'm dealing with. Uh, but Finny, I want to ask you, if it was me bowling at Don Bradman, who wins that battle? The
1: two worst cricketers, Bradman, obviously.
2: Oh, uh, bro, come Ooh, on. I is thought that that mu- yeah, he's that good, is he? Yeah, he must be a good player then. Yeah, I like him. Yeah, fair play. Um, now, <laughs> no, no, no. you mentioned, Finney, earlier about the fact that England are a dangerous team to play because they genuinely don't seem to care. Obviously, they do, but I know what you mean. But there's anything to sum it up more than the fact that apparently in the second innings, because Stokes keeps doing these mad things as captain, declaring on 325 and getting Jimmy Anderson to bowl bouncers and all this sort of and these funky field placings, Everything he does, we assume he's got some master plan. But apparently, the reason that Ben Fokes went into bats ahead of Ben Stokes in the second England innings is that Ben Stokes was sat on the toilet. There's he's having us- a poo. That happens
1: regularly. <laughs> well, that this happens this, regularly. This is- a player's having a poo, and <laughs> you, it's called a poo watchman. So you just get the fellow who's batting behind you to pad up, and just so you don't have to rush or cut it off halfway through or anything. Yeah. If there's a wicket, you can just have your poo in peace, get it done with because it's hard having a poo and you've got your pads on because you can't get your trousers down below your knees. So you have to take your pads off. You've got to take your thigh pads off your box, your chest pad, and then you've got to put them all back on again. And if you're halfway through your poo, you'd have to cut your poo, poo off halfway <laughs> through. You'd have to pull your pants up. You'd have to put your box on your thigh pad, your inner thigh pad, both pads. Then you don't have to go back to the dressing room and collect your helmet, gloves, bats, and by the time you get to the pitch, you would be timed out. So it's logical. What what about it happens you're... very frequently. I'm quite surprised. I, I, actually, I say I'm quite
3: surprised that Toby's freaked out by this, but he bats at 11. So, you know. Well, this was my question the, the only, What does Tim Merton need?
2: What does Tim Merton do w- if he needs to pee?
1: Well, I, I've nearly been caught. I There was a test match in... Um, where was it? It was at Chesterley Street in Durham against Sri Lanka in 2016. And I ended up batting to see Moen Ali through to 100. I can't remember if I was number 11 or 10, but I didn't ask for a That's poo watchman. That's quite important for this. Yeah, well, I didn't ask for a poo watchman. I can remember not asking for a poo watchman. And I was sat down um, doing the business and then the wicket fell and I was just in a mad rush, and I think I was very lucky that day not to get timed out. Like the other battle was in the dressing room by the time I came out of the cubicle, mm-hmm. and had to get my stuff on quickly and go down. And you're dishevelled and rushed. Um, luckily that day it didn't affect me. I did see mine through to his hundred. Um, but it, yeah, a, it's it a, a precarious poo? situation. Was I I, I don't poo? know my poos. I can't I can't remember. What what really? Well, I can't remember the consistency of a shit I had eight years ago, no.
2: <laughs> it's all right for you, Norcross, because all yours are the same. But the rest of us, you know, they vary from time to time. Um, now, we need to talk about the fact that Daniel Norcross, believe it or not, was inadvertently responsible partly responsible, a a tiny bit responsible for England's victory against New Zealand because Daniel Norcross made the mistake of upsetting the Nighthawk. Now, before we discuss what happened between Norcross and the Nighthawk, Finney, you obviously know Stuart Broad very, very well. What sort of personality is Broadie? Because I think he got a little bit annoyed at our Daniel on social media (laughs) this week and with good reason too.
1: No, yeah. Not no. I mean it's very difficult not to get angry at um people sat on the sidelines throwing mud. But well, he's the sort of fella that yeah, I think he likes to read social media. He's quite responsive. Usually players just go quiet for five days during games, but Broadly's quite happy to partake in conversations on social media during games. And yeah, it doesn't surprise me that he saw Daniel's sniping from the sidelines and decided to bite.
2: So if you don't know Stuart Broad has taken on a new alter ego called the Nighthawk, despite the fact we haven't really actually seen the Nighthawk, but he is a new version of Night Watchman who rather than going out there and doing the traditional thing that Finney's done many times before, going out there and blocking it to tears and keeping a batsman safe for the next day of the test match, Broad goes out there, seemingly, to carry on being attacking and to cause absolute chaos. So Daniel Norcross tweeted saying, I struggled to see the logic of a slogging night watcher until I realized Broad is the best man to faff about wasting time with his helmet and generally infuriating the oppo. Stuart Broad replied, compulsory concussion test, which I can't do anything about. Then I'm a medium helmet, which had to be replaced as it split. And then the 12 men could only find a large one. Not sure what I can do apart from wear a helmet that's too big. And then Norcross absolutely bottled it. I uh, compared yeah. it to the scene in the in-betweeners where he goes, "Sorry, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry," he and he said, "I'm a convert, whether you have a compulsory con- concussion test or not." Viva la night talk. And Stuart Broad yeah. didn't reply because he thinks you're a moron. Now, that obviously, <laughs> Did, hang on, Broad hang on, because hang he on, at hang one on. of those spells. Did Hang on, episode. hang on.
3: Are you going to read the next tweet? What was the next tweet? The reply to the next tweet. Okay, explained. Why I thought that actually I might have been wrong.
2: Okay, the, the Lord loves us might who repents, because Toby yes. and maybe yeah. nighthawks are more likely to get short balls and thus more likely to need compulsory concussion tests, which wipe out five minutes. We are only just beginning to understand the full yes. repertoire of the night. Oh, this is the biggest and brown can I?
3: Can I? Can I explain the logic of this? Right, so. Stuart made a very strong point, which is that oh he he wasn't just faffing about it had an actual concussion test. And I understood that it had an actual concussion test. And of course, you don't want to rile somebody who's got five hundred and sixty odd test wickets in the cricketing world because some bloke who's got all these wickets apparently is way more significant than me. For all sorts of very good reasons. But the reality is that if you have a nighthawk who can't face the short ball, the likelihood of them getting smashed on the head is that much higher. And 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 I think they are, I think Baz is much cleverer than we are. You send out Stuart Broad and he's a red rag to a bull, right? He is an absolutely pitiful player of the short ball. The chances of him being hit on the head are very huge, and when you think about it, that can take out six or seven minutes because he he can't hit it, can he? He's, he's, he's hopeless. And if you're Neil Wagner, you're going to go for his head. If you're, and frankly, if you're Colin de Grondon, who's no longer playing cricket, you're going to bowl short at Stuart Broad's head. And I realised why it was a great idea to flail pointlessly at a short ball because it encourages people to bowl at your head and save five minutes. And In fairness to me, I think I was right.
2: Well, I mean, it's it's actually quite uncomfortable seeing how much you've backtracked, Finny. Finny what do you make of more crosses groveling, backtracked, groveling suddenly?
1: Well, it's a good job that it's a good job he's not nuzzling in his own arsehole because his his nose would be very runny and wet and brown, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> Wait a minute, I've mean, just I've just accused
3: you abroad of being utterly shit against the short ball. <laughs> well, I don't mean to be fair. Yeah, and like... then backtracked.
2: Yeah, and then backtracked. No, and say not backtracked
3: G- at all. <laughs> I've said that him being utterly shit against the short ball is why they put him in there out there. there <laughs> it. So actually I've not oh, backtracked at all. I'm, I'm standing up there going come on Stuart, you know hit the fucking short ball, hit the fucking short ball. You should have been caught second ball, he whacked it straight up in the air and then Scott Kugeline less said about him the better and the wicketkeeper failed to catch the ball. That's I mean sort it, of... was, it, was, it was genuinely the most stupid piece of cricket I've ever seen <laughs> in one sense but then I realised that they are cleverer than me, and what they're trying to do is get Stuart Broad hit on the head, and for that I have got an enormous <laughs> amount of respect for the England management. If it works, a- it's the only way. It's the only way to explain that that passage of cricket, and Stuart actually played it brilliantly because the first helmet that came out, he didn't like, so he got a second helmet, and yet again he proved that he is not only the funniest but he's also the cleverest cricketer.
2: On the planet, this is embarrassing. And Funniest, cleverest. It. It's embarrassing. It's absolutely. Well, embarrassing. It's perfect. I'm I'm, look, I'm groveling. So, groveling with you and Stephen Finn. I'm not I, groveling. I'm not groveling. <laughs> um, Finny, I was watching the concussion test of Stuart Board and uh, I was thinking that there is one major flaw in the concussion test. So, so I'm guessing they're asking you questions like, "What's your name? Where are you? Stuff like that."
1: Yeah, they do. Yes, they do. Yeah. Because one major
2: flaw is, you know, you've got an incredibly basic Watford name. So, for example, if they said to you, you've been hit in the head by a bouncer, and they come to you and they go, what's your name? Even you, if you actually were seeing eight physios, could just about muster a Steve Steve Finn, Steve Finn, (laughs) I'm Steve Finn. (laughs) (laughs) But but, very different if you're, say, Kumar Sangakara. And I think... (laughs) I think that's the there's a real flaw in the concussion test even even somebody who's just been hit Sorry, repeatedly in the are head you honestly, are you honestly saying
3: <laughs> are you honestly saying that one of the most intelligent men who's ever played cricket in their entire life wouldn't be able to remember his name because he's got slightly more syllables if, if he's been hit in the head
2: if he's been hit in the head but <laughs> even Finney finished? if he's just been hit nine times in the head by Akhtar, could probably oh, lie on the ground on his deathbed, still just about muster the noise, Steve Finn. I think that's a real
3: problem. Honestly, I thought, I thought I thought I thought I was going to be the most stupid person <laughs> on this podcast tonight,
2: and it turns out it's you. I what, mean, it's, what, what they sh- what they should do is, as a leveler, I, I, people have got different names. As a leveler, they should ask every single cricketer who gets hit in the head, "Can you name Sri Lanka's most successful wicketkeeper batsman?" And if they can say Kumar Sangakkara, crack on. <laughs> Go go out there! I, and I think Tilly Carat and Dilshan's got again. A, like, that's, a, a, th- a say that's a tricky that. one. <laughs> so if you put it in the head, saying the Dilshan's tricky, saying Steve Finn, anyone could do it. <laughs> he's got
3: yeah. Actually, he's got a good point. But I don't do think <laughs> they are say do no. Don't they say? Don't don't they say? Who is the only Dutch president of the United States? I think they. I think they. Do no, it. they say. I, mean, yeah. I remember. I remember the, Colin the beginning Rondon,
1: of was <laughs> Sorry. At the beginning of the year, you'll get asked a series of questions like remembering a sequence of numbers and stuff like that, a sequence of words, and you have Even to recite time. them back. Um and that's your concussion test baseline. So you have to pass those tests in order to be able to carry on. Wait a, a minute. I...
3: Sorry. Hang on, Finney. Are you saying Sorry, at the start of the season, everyone gets given the questions they're going to be asked when they've
1: been hit on the head. No, no. It's like an on-the-spot test. So they'd say 7, 11, 29, 5, 93. And then you have to recite as many of those numbers back as you can. It's not a sequence. I'm not talking about whether it's an actual sequence of numbers. As in a, a row of numbers. Next to each other. I'm just picturing they...
2: that Donald Trump video where he's going, person, camera, TV. <laughs> That's all I can <laughs> picture. Is Finny <laughs> doing his best Donald Trump impression and do it saying, "Person, camera, TV." Is it stuff like that essentially, Finny? Yes. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Right. Well, then it's you know it's much more. Complicated. I
3: couldn't do that. I couldn't. I couldn't do that. And when I'm completely straight.
2: No, I mean, one's, in the moment no one's questioning you've had too many shit. blows
3: to the head. Yeah, <laughs> but honestly, you know, if someone if someone comes up to you and goes 7, 9, 38, 14, 23, you're going, what? I can't remember that. That's because you've
2: had two bottles of South African rose. That's why. Uh, now, we need. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your
0: life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items
3: can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't
0: miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's
2: BlueNile.com. To move on from the England-New Zealand win, but basically, I mean, it just keeps getting better. The Stokes-McCullum era is just ridiculous to watch, and, uh, and it's going to be fascinating to see how long this goes on for, and also if, like the white ball team under Owen Morgan, whether teams around the world start copying them. The ultimate compliment will be if teams around the world start going, there might be something in this uh, or whether it's just going to be Stokes and McCullum leading the charge for the next few years. Uh, now, other cricket going on around the world, Australia bottled it, the bottle jobs. Obviously, it's horrible to see Australia losing test matches as an Ashes year. Obviously, that's really tough to watch, but they did so well. 263 in the first innings in India. They had India on the ropes. They had them at 139 for seven. And then that man, Ashwin, and a few others pitched in. Uh, eight, uh, Aksar Patel as well got them up to 262 all out. Then Australia meekly surrendered. Pathetic. 113 all-outs. And India coasted home to win by six wickets. And frankly, this Australia team, uh, they're nothing. They're, they're pointless. They're useless. They're a waste of space. They, they don't deserve to be on the same cricket pitch as England this summer. Uh, but Finney, I want to ask you about that result. And obviously, India being 2-0 up in the series. It's the biggest cliche, but is that the hardest series in world cricket? Does it get any harder than away in India?
1: Um, No, I don't think so. I think away in Australia is incredibly hard. In fact, it is incredibly hard. But I think they've lost one of their last 19 series at home. India which I would say is a better record than what Australia have in their own conditions I think they've lost to South Africa a couple of times um in that time India, frame so and India. yeah and India so yeah I think statistically and um in terms of dealing with conditions that are completely alien to what you're used to I think it makes it the hardest test series in the world yes um so I, I wouldn't read too much into it I mean Australia are going to need a completely different set of skills when they come here in the summer to play against us in the Ashes. I do think it's going to be an incredibly entertaining series. Um, I hope I can actually sit down and watch most of those test matches because I do think it's going to be very entertaining to watch. I think if I was Australia, the thing that would concern me the most is the lack of fitness of Josh Hazelwood at the moment and the issues that he's had recently, I think that that's a very big warning sign for them coming to these conditions. And I think also the burden that Pat Cummins has had put on him as skipper, I think could play into England's hands in the summer as well. I would say those are the two more important factors for us winning the Ashes as opposed to how Australia are doing in India at the moment.
2: And also the form of David Warner, whose record in England is pretty iffy at best, and Broad, who we've already talked about, has an amazing record against him. And once he's fueled by more Norcross hatred, he's going to be absolutely unplayable this summer. But uh, David Warner obviously had to miss out on the second innings because of concussion. Actually, funny enough, speaking about what we were earlier, but uh, a huge concern. There's a few holes in that batting lineup. You take Smith and Labuschagne out of it, Norcross, and it's not quite the Australian lineup that uh, that we've seen over the recent years.
3: Yeah, but you don't get to take Smith and none that. And uh, Warner will probably be gone. I think I don't, I don't. I'm I'm really not sure that he's going to be in the Ashes side, huh? which is a great shame because it's so much fun for England fans whenever he gets out. But Smith and Labuschagne will be in that side. Travis Head is a very very fine player. What's extraordinary about the way Australia approached this series is that they've done it a little bit like england used to do they've got they've got the fear i mean how did they leave travis head uh the first test match it's one of the most extraordinary decisions you could ever imagine he he averaged 80 in australia he's sort of doing you know when johnny bairstow goes berserk in england it's a bit like johnny bairstow's gone berserk in England, and the sector's gone yeah but yeah we're not going to use him in india what what is this insanity? They went into the second test match with one seam bowler and three spinners because they got spooked again by the idea they got no one that could turn the ball away from the right-hander. So they got stuck with Lyon. They got stuck with Murphy because they had to play them both because Murphy got seven in the first innings. And then we got to get another spinner in. So they had no seamer. And it's not that having no seamer is... is a bad thing, is that they didn't know what they were doing. And watching Australian Selection at the moment in, in India is like watching um, the most tragically confused creature. It's it's helplessly pathetic and therefore magnificent to watch. Up to a point, though, for me, because I'm going out there to watch the last two test matches. I'm going to be indoor, indoor, which... Uh, is not indoor, by the way. It's it's indoor, and Ahmedabad, and uh I think they're fucked. I think they're completely spooked. I think they've lost their minds. When they play against England, they do actually know what team to play. They've they they can make some sense of it. When they play India in India, and I think everyone struggles with that. Actually, what will be the enormous test is that England are going to India next year, and Philly... England do not have a great battery of spinners, but basketball will just try and smash the shit out of it, won't it? And see what happens. Well,
1: they won't have had people come to India and try and play that way ever. So it could rattle you, but people trying to slog you rattles you and makes you bowl worse. You may get them out eventually, but if good players do it to you, and they've got real big intent to try and take you down. It makes your life as a bowler, no matter what wicket you're bowling on, incredibly hard. Um, so it will be very interesting to see that method in those conditions. And and again, I think that's the one thing about this side at the moment, the England side, is that you want to watch them play. Like You want to get up early. At 7 a.m. and watch the last session of the New Zealand Test match. You, you want to do that. And I think that that's only a great thing. And yeah, the more times that they get challenged and, and put out of their comfort zone, it'll be really interesting to see how they respond. And, and India will be a massive challenge. You don't you don't want you don't want you don't want to watch Peter Hanscom. That is that's Australia's answer to
3: this
2: problem, is Peter Hanscom. If if that's the if Peter Hanscom's the quote the answer, what is the question? We haven't even had a chance to talk about the Women's World T20, but I said last week they're going to win and nothing has changed my mind, especially after their stunning victory over India by 11 runs. (coughs) Natalie Silver-Brunt continues to be an absolute superstar. Uh, Sophie Eccleston continues to be the best spin bowler in the world. Lauren Bell was wonderful, Uh, but we'll be reflecting on England women's pursuit, well, successful pursuit of the World T20 next week. Uh, but lovely to see you both. And Norcross is putting his finger up. He wants to say something, which means we've still got another 10 minutes to go. What is it, Dad? No, I'll be quick.
3: Australia are the greatest team in, in women's cricket by an absolute mile. They are a... They're superb. And there's a reason why they're superb. And secondly, Toby, I want to say massive congratulations this week. You nailed everyone in the fantasy Premier League thank you thank you you and got yet, the highest still... points and
2: no I really well you I did, did I really think well. I was the highest no, you did really really and well and I still only gained about you three were. points and you I was livid about it five
3: five 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 five, five.
2: right you see, see you next week win. chaps have a good one